fourth episode of the Desert uh, Shift podcast. Man, do we have a big episode prepared here for you guys. We have a lot to talk about. First off, Tyler, the you know, the every week uh, question for you, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. A nice day here in Phoenix and uh, a lot of trades to talk about today. I know it's not raining here for once. There's a lot of trades. Uh, you know, you uh, obviously during this trade deadline period have been really happy and we're going to get into this trade that probably may be uh, not happy <laughs> to say the least. So we're going to jump right into it, folks, here. Uh, we're going to get into the biggest trade probably of this whole maybe trade deadline period that will probably take place. Maybe the Patrick Kane uh, trade might be a little bit more, you know, bigger, but this is the Timo Meyer trade. Oh, boy. All right. So, um, basically, we have the Sharks receiving Fabian Zetterlin, Shakir Mukam Daman, Andreas Johansson, Nikita Akatuk, uh 2023 first-round pick, a conditional 2024 first-round pick, and a 2024 seventh-round pick. Um, thanks for all those terrible names that I had to pronounce. Um, and then on New Jersey, New Jersey is obviously receiving Timo Meyer with 50% retained on his cap hit by the Sharks. Scott Arrington, Timur Amiyamov, Santeri Hatika, Zach Evan, and a 2024 fifth round pick uh, that used to belong to Colorado. Oh, Tyler, you want to, you uh, want to do this? I think as, as a, the Sharks fan, I think you should you should go first. Give us your thoughts on, on this. Oh, man. Um, it's rough. Uh, I mean... I think uh, I'm, I'm going to jump on what the Sharks received first before I get into, you know, the main meet and Timo Meyer because obviously as a Sharks fan, as you mentioned, I know him quite a bit. So Fabian Zetterland has uh, six goals, 14 assists, 20 points, and 45 games played this season with the Devils. Uh, Mukam Dimon, I, I cannot say that name. It's going to be a pain to put on a jersey. I already know it. Uh, 25 points and... Uh, 67 KHO games. Uh, Andreas Johnson, who used to, you know, flourish with the Maple Leafs, uh, he's been sent down to AHL. He has 29 points, 36 games played in there. Um, and then Nikita Akutuk, um, one point in his uh, 10 games played with the Devils. So what I'm seeing from someone that doesn't didn't really know the Devils prospect pool outside of Mercer, Holtz, Nemich, Hughes, outside of those players, uh, you get kind of like a big defenseman in Muka I cannot <laughs> say that name, uh, Shakir, I'm going to call him. You get a good defenseman uh, there, like a good prospect. Do I think he'll become anything special, like a first-line defenseman? No, I really don't. You're getting Fabian Zetterlin, which uh, I would say beyond Mercer, Hughes, Nemich, Holtz is probably their fifth, maybe sixth best prospect in their pool. Um, he hasn't had a bad year with the Devils, but do I think he's going to turn into like a first-line center or anything or a first-line winger? No, I don't. And then Nikita Akatuk. Again, wh why must they trade for all these weird-name players? Um, I, I don't know about him. I I really don't. The first round pick is obviously great. Um, but I mean, what the Sharks gave up in Timo Meyer is an elite first line winger that can pot you 
some great goals. He has 52 points right now in 57 games played. Uh, 31 of them are goals. He was arguably the best Sharks goal scorer for since probably Joe Pavelski. Um, so you're losing someone that has a lot of value. Not only that, but he was an RFA. He's an RFA going into this offseason. So that's going to be better than a UFA, obviously, because you have more control. You're also giving up Scott Harrington, which was a great uh, defense partner for Eric Carlson. He has one goal, six assists, seven goals, or sorry, seven points in his uh, 28 games played this year. They He's put on waivers. Yeah, I was just earlier. about to mention yeah. that. So you're giving him up, potentially getting him back now. <laughs> Who knows? Santeri uh, Hotika, that's uh, that was a decent defenseman. Decent defensive prospect. I don't think he'll turn anything other than the bottom pairing defenseman. Zach Edmund, not really anything there. I think the Sharks just wanted to give up a goaltender because they have so many. Tim Robin-Gamov, he was mainly in the ECHL. 32 points, 53 games played uh, with uh, Wichita, I think. Um, I, I'm honestly... I really hate to say this because... Who knows, maybe this first-round pick will be amazing. Who knows, maybe Zetterlin will blossom into a great forward, but I'm just disappointed because Timo Meyer arguably was worth way, way more than this. This is... Tanner Janot got more than this. And we'll talk about that trade in a second. But as a Sharks fan, I'm just disappointed because, you know, obviously from the bias, like personal point of view, like Timo was great. Like I got to saw, see his uh, five goals in the game, uh, that game against LA, like last season. I got to see that in person. That are, that arguably is one of my favorite memories in Sharks history. That is a piece of Sharks history right there. I mean, Tyler, I'm ri- I'm literally wearing his jersey right now. <laughs> I I, yes. I just got this reverse retro jersey like two three months ago. I knew he's most likely going to get traded, but he's he was a, one of my favorites on the team, arguably. Um, you know, I even met the guy. He's a really nice guy. And seeing what you got back is frustrating because they didn't get Holtz, they didn't get Mercer, they didn't get Hughes, they didn't get Nemich. I we all knew they weren't getting get rid of Nemich or Hughes. We all knew maybe Holtz, maybe Mercer would be in it, except all the Devils fans that decided to angrily uh, tweet me on Twitter about it. And the Sharks say, screw that, we're going to just get a bunch of mid-prospects. It seems like they were going more for uh, quantity over quality here, in my opinion. And again, it sucks because obviously Meyer's going to net you the most out of anyone on your team what New Jersey is getting is awesome. I mean, the fact that they kept all those guys and now are getting Meyer, they probably have one of the best offenses in the whole league. Yeah, um, I, I could agree with that. Um, I still think that they're lacking a little bit of depth in that bottom six, but you know that offensive firepower now that you have with Hughes, Meyer, Brad, Heashier. You know, that's that's just going to be a force to be reckoned with. They're still young, so, you know, we'll, we'll see how they, they do in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think that if they can keep it together, then that core could be dangerous for the next seven or eight years. But that's my main concern is can they keep it together? 
because you have Brett and Meyer who are both going to be RFAs. They're both probably going to ask for north of $8 million. And are you going to be able to keep both of them uh, on top of, you know, Hughes signed an eight-year extension. Keyshear signed a long-term extension. You still have Dougie Hamilton making at the 9 or $10 million. You know, so you have a lot of big contracts. Are you going to be able to have five or six contracts making over $8 million for the next six or seven years and still be able to compete? So I, I don't know if they're going to be able to keep both Brett and Meyer. That was like my main concern with this trade. Yeah, I think they keep Meyer out of the two because, I mean, they just traded all of this for him. And I, I think Meyer is a better player than Brett. Also, I should mention that 2024 first-round pick, that's conditional. Uh, if the Devils make it in the next years to the Eastern Conference Finals, it, it turns into a first-round pick. There's a bunch of other conditions on it, too, but that's the main meat of it. So you're most likely going to get a second-round pick. I'm going to be honest. I don't see the Devils beating the Hurricanes even still with this trade. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be a bloodbath with the Rangers because, obviously, I think the Rangers are trying to get Patrick Kane. So I think that, that might be... One of the most exciting series in the playoffs because now New Jersey has Brat, Meyer, Holt, uh, Mercer, Hughes, like Heeshear, this like, huge top six forward, like this amazing group of offense. But the Rangers have something that can match it too. Panarin, Tarasenko, Zibanejad, Kreider, Lafreniere, like it's going to be explosive. Like, your final thoughts on the Meyer trade, any any last thoughts? I don't really want to hang up on it because I'm going to get sad. Um, yeah, I definitely think the Sharks could have gotten more. I, I am in the minority where I don't hate the return that the Sharks got because I, I, I see this trade as more, like, for the future for the Sharks. I think that, you know, Mercer is, is kind of like, now you know he's putting up points now and obviously you would like to have him in the long term but you know Mook Medulla is kind of like a, a project you know Andreas Janssen isn't really going to do much um what's the other guys I can I'm Nikita Akutuk yeah like I don't know I feel like these these guys you know they they're just not there for like now they're more there for like yeah. the long term usually like Zetterlins I, what is it, I think he's 23 now I mean it's just it's just hard because you know these are guys are not the best prospects but they're not like bad but you know it's an okay return it probably could have gotten more but i i really i don't hate it because you know you you'd rather get rid of get rid of my or get something for him than you know just have him stick around and not be able to pay him in the off season just lose him because i is there yeah. a condition on his rfa status you have to qualify him in an offer of 10 million yeah that that's like the reason i'm just concerned about you know the devils being able to pay both him and brett because, you know, Meyer, they're both going to ask for big contracts, and I don't know if the Devils are going to be willing to give both of them what they want. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I think, like you said, this is more for the future than anything. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess I just feel let down, I guess, because, yeah. you know, this was hyped up so much. This was the trade that was going to restart the Sharks that was going to, you know, not put them straight back into the playoff contention, but, you know, Give them a good prospect pool. I mean, they have Eklund, Bordelow, and maybe Robbins, but outside those three, you don't really have a good prospect pool. These prospects are okay, but, I mean, it's Timo Meyer, and you only trade Timo Meyer once. Yeah. And he was absolutely far away the best player on the Sharks, and I would argue one of the best goal scorers currently in the league, at least in the Western Conference. So, 
it's just a little underwhelming, I feel like. Now, my final my final thing is, I mean, Timo Meyer. I mean, I, I, I mean, man, all the memes, all the things, about, all the tweets about him, like Timo time. Like, man, he was such a good uh, person to the Sharks organization, to the Sharks fans. Like, I'll never forget that. I always root for Timo, even though I'm not a big Devils fan. But, you know, that good luck to him. Um, and that's Mike Greer's like first major trade outside the Brent Burns trade. So that's interesting. All right. So this next, uh, next trade made a NHL scout say what the blank, um, because man, what, what happened Tyler? I mean, let me just go through the Tanner Janot trade with you. Uh, Tampa Bay gets Tanner Janot. Uh, he has five goals, nine assists, 14 points this year. Uh, 56 games played, and then Tampa gives to Nashville, Calfoot, who has one goal, two assists, three points in 26 games played in the NHL, a 2025 first-round pick, a 2024 second-round pick, a 2023 third-round pick, a 2023 fourth-round pick, and a 2023 fifth-round pick. Well, obviously an overpay. I mean, <laughs> massive overpay. I like Tanner Janot. He was one guy I thought would fit well on the Islanders that I thought they wanted to target. Not at this price, obviously, but the the reason I don't hate it as much for Tampa is because Tampa just has a way of turning these guys into just forces in the playoffs. Look at Barkley Gaudreau, Blake Coleman, Yanni Gord, uh, Pilat, all of these guys who, you know, you know, weren't like the greatest performers, just absolutely showed up every time in the playoffs. And I think Tanner Janot is going to be one of those guys for them. Scored 20-something goals last year with Nashville, having a rough start this year. But, you know, going to Tampa, such a skilled team, such a good team that, uh, you know, he could easily become a 20-goal scorer for them for the next five years and become just a force in the playoffs. Yeah. You know, Tampa's going to be a team to contend even in 2025 because they're still going to have that core there with Poy and Kudrov, Stamkos, uh, Vazzy. So it's not like that that first-round pick is, like, huge to give up, even if it's 2025. So I, I don't really think Tampa's worried about that. You know, it, it's a lot to give up for Jano. I thought, honestly, that like a second, third would have got it done for him. Giving up all of that for a guy who has, what, 14 points this year, just five goals in 50-something games. It's obviously a lot, but Tampa knows what they're getting. They see a lot in him, I guess. And, you know, they, they think mm-hmm. that he could be that 20-goal guy for them on the maybe the third line for the next five years that, you know, it's just a force in the playoffs. Just kind of a guy to replace like a Blake Coleman that they lost two years ago. I mean, my first reaction was, what the heck? I mean, if you remove Tampa's name from me and you put another team in there, I think everyone would have been like, what the hell did you just do? Um, Because as you mentioned, like, you know, Tampa's known for making these deals with all those you mentioned, Alfred, Brendan Hangel as well. We we kind of saw a trade kind of like this for him. I just... Ah, man, I feel like you could have gotten him at least a little bit cheaper. Even though, like, as you said, Tampa's most likely going to contend for the Cup in the next three, four years. Like, their window is wide open. And they've been to the past three Stanley Cup finals. So what what do they have to lose, honestly? But at the same tri- at the same time, like, holy crap. You're giving up Cal Foot, Decent defenseman, I would say. One of the Foot brothers. Uh, that they've traded both of them now. Yeah, they've traded both of them. The other one's in New Jersey. It's kind of sad that they can't play on the same team so you can have the feet. Um, but, you know. Uh, 
Wow, that's a lot of picks. I mean, if you're Nashville, you gotta be impressed with, especially a Nashville fan. You gotta be really, really happy at this return because I mean that's that's an elite return. That is great. I mean that Niederreiter trade that we'll talk about. I mean that was underwhelming, honestly. And then this, just holy crap. Uh, Taron Janot, good bottom six forward, top nine player maybe. Um, probably goes on that third line that they're trying to reconstruct every year. Uh, I mean, this the stuff that Tampa does. They did it with Nick Paul, Brendan Hagel last season. It worked. Obviously, they're having great seasons now. Maybe Janot tra- uh, turns it around. He's been kind of terrible this year. I mean, 14 points in the 56 games played. Obviously, he had 41 last season uh, in the Calder conversation, too. Um, but, I mean, this is Tampa's kind of player. This suits Tampa. It, this is a trade that I would expect Tampa, Tampa to make. I did not expect all of that to go with him, though. Uh, any final thoughts on the Tanner Juno trade? I just think it's a trade Tampa's comfortable making because they've done similar ones in the past, and they've worked out. You know, they gave up a first for Barkley Goudreau, who, who wasn't a... a top player at all you know a third fourth line guy also didn't put up a ton of points and it paid off you know they gave up a first for a guy like david savard you Mm -hmm. know isn't the like this all-star elite defenseman but you know these are the guys you need to win a cup you know they're not afraid to give up their picks and it's worked out in the past for them you know getting hagel has been great for them uh they gave up a first for him and you know they're just they're comfortable making these trades that you know they have to give up a first and it doesn't net them a huge player but it nets them a guy that they know is going to help them you know push for the cup yeah let's move on to the uh, Ivan Barbashev trade Vegas gets Ivan Barbashev who has 10 goals 19 assists for 29 points 59 games played St. Louis is getting Zach Dean uh in the queue he's got 24 goals 27 assists 51 points 39 games played your thoughts on the Barbashev trade uh it's not nothing huge. I mean, Barbashev's good, won a cup with the Blues. Uh, I think it'll really help Vegas's. Uh, I'm guessing he's going to play on their third line there, maybe second line with Stone Hurt. You know, it's, it's just a guy that put up big numbers last year. Uh, he had a career year last year. He's kind of struggling this season, like most of the players on the Blues. You know, it's just one of those trades that maybe he didn't need a, a change of scenery a little bit after mm-hmm. struggling. And uh, I, I think it helps Vegas. They give up. Uh, another first round pick of theirs they only have one of their original first round picks they, they seem to do that every year giving up all their first Isn't it, round picks uh, paul brinson his uh, name brandon is brinson. brandon yeah. brinson yeah uh I, I don't really have too much thoughts on this one i think it's good for both sides vegas gets a, a nice depth piece st louis you know is continuing their their retool i guess uh, getting a solid prospect, and it's, it's not, nothing huge, but, you know, Barbashev won a cup, could be big for them in the playoffs. Yeah, Barbashev was a key part of that cup run. Uh, obviously, is a great two-way player, a lot of physical play in his game. I think Zach Dean is a good prospect for St. Louis. I mean, as they continue to retool, uh, I think they're getting, they're doing the retooling right. I think these assets that they've been getting back is amazing, and I think Zach Dean just adds to it. He could be a good impact player for them by next season, maybe. Uh, Barbashev for Vegas, I mean, that's a Vegas player, I, w- I would say. Kind of like what we said about Taron Juneau. This is a Vegas player. That two-way style of play, good depth. Uh, you know, they they like acquiring these uh, third-line guys during these trade deadlines. Um, I think Ivan Barbashev is really going to be great 
for uh, for Vegas. I mean, when uh, St. Louis went up against the Sharks in that third round series back in 2019, Barbashev was a huge reason why the Blues won that series with his style of play. So I think uh, that's a great trade for Vegas. But I also really like the return for St. Louis. I would say if I was choose a winner, I I couldn't because I think it's equal value for both sides, even though uh, Zach Dean hasn't really played in the NHL yet. Yeah, I think this is just one of those trades. It's a win-win because both sides get exactly what they need. St. Louis gets younger. They get a good prospect, helps with their their rebuild. And, you know, Vegas gets what they need in a a depth, you know, middle six guy who who was big for them in the playoffs. Yeah, moving on to the Dennis Garionov trade. Uh, Dallas is going to get... Evgeny Dadnov, who has four goals, 14 assists for 18 points in 50 games played, while Montreal receives Dennis Garyanov, two goals, seven assists, nine points in 43 games played. Your thoughts, Tyler? Uh, it's just another one of those trades where uh, you know I don't know if either side wins, but no side really loses. You know, it's two low-risk, high-reward players. Dadnov with the contract being 50% retained, you don't really have to worry about the money. Dadnov, a guy who's put up 60, 70 points in the past. You know you know he has that goal-scoring touch, but he just hasn't had it the last two or three years. He had a good year with Vegas last year. I think he scored 20 goals. Yeah. But, you know, Montreal struggled a little bit offensively, especially without Caulfield. He's playing on, like, their fourth line there. You know, Dallas, a really good offensive team. Um, maybe he gets going there, finds the scoring touch again. Gryanov was insane in their playoff run when they went to the cup mm-hmm. you know and just after that it's just not been great at all hasn't been scoring goals you know it just really hasn't lived up to the potential and you know now going to montreal kind of low pressure you maybe play more minutes uh on their second line maybe uh it's just a guy that probably needed a, a change of scenery and you know no team really wins maybe uh, if Dallas Danoff comes up big, Dallas could win. If Giriyanov really breaks out in Montreal, Montreal wins. But right now, it's just two guys needed a change, low risk, uh, high reward trade that uh, you know could pay off. Could really mean nothing for both both players and both teams. But we're not gonna know until later. I actually really like this trade for Montreal because I think Giriyanov is a really speedy player. He's fast. I think he's been needing a change of scenery. I think this is perfect. He was on my trade bait uh, article that I did uh, where I picked one player from every team to get moved. He was my pick for Dallas, and they did exactly what I expected them to do, which was try to get something that can help them win now for Garyanov. I think I mean, Montreal has been great at resurrecting players' careers. We see that with Kirby Doc. Uh, right now, and you might see it with Garyanov, uh, especially with the young offense Montreal has. I think he'll really fit in there. Uh, I was I actually saw one of his two goals in Dallas when I, I saw him play against Detroit back in December. Uh, so I I like this trade for Montreal. I really think they can unlock something with Garyanov. Uh, Dadonov, I I I don't know if I like that trade a lot by for Dallas because. As you mentioned, he had a great year with Vegas. Uh, last season, he struggled a bit. It depends where they play him. If they play him like on the fourth line, I, I don't know about this one, but I think if they play him in his in the middle lines, maybe have him pair up with either Sagan or Ben. I know they've been struggling. Let's see if that connection works. That could be really sneaky for Dallas, but I honestly really like this trade for Montreal. If Guerinov does the Kirby Doc uh, effect and starts scoring, I think... 
Dallas is going to look back at this as a nerd and a Tushkin like uh, type of player where you know they've lost them somewhere else. I mean, we saw that with Natushkin in Colorado. And also, I do want to add one final thing. Um, Dodonov finally got traded successfully during the trade deadline. <laughs> yeah, we saw that last year with the Ducks, that, that whole mis- mishap thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, Dodonov's a free agent after this year. So even so, with, with Dallas, even if he doesn't produce for you, you know, you don't really have anything to lose. You just let him walk. Yeah. And Gurionov's not on, like, a massive contract. You know, he's still young. So if that doesn't pay off for Montreal, then, you know, there's not really any harm for a rebuilding team to take a flyer on a player like that. We're going on to the next trade. Nino Niederreiter, uh, he goes to Winnipeg. 18 goals, 10 assists, 28 points, 56 games played. To Nashville as a 2024 second-round pick. Your thoughts on Nino? I, I'm i very surprised that they traded him in the first place, Nashville. I, I know that they wanted to... Uh, a little bit of a retool, I guess, also. You know, they're they're still contenders, but, you know, they're on the outside looking in right now. And, you know, I, I feel like Niederreiter is, is the kind of guy, they just signed him uh, this free agency. And yep. I, he's one of the guys I really didn't expect to get traded. I feel like this one kind of came out of nowhere. Nobody was really talking about him on their, their trade bait boards or anything. And uh, I thought that it would take a little bit more than this if they were going to move him. Just a second pick round pick for next year. Not even this year, which is a stacked draft this year. You know, a second-round pick could land you a, a first-round talent this year. Uh, next year's draft, haven't really looked into it, but I, I don't think it's as strong as this year's. So uh, not not a terrible return for Nashville. It's still a second, but I do think they should have gotten more. Great trade for Winnipeg. You know, it's tough, tough to get guys to go to Winnipeg. Uh, not, not a lot of people want to play there. <laughs> so, you know, they get a guy still under contract for next year. Uh, has 18 goals right now that he could easily get you 25 even 30 goals um has he scored 30 in the for carolina he might have let me look that up uh so you know he's definitely scored 20 goals in the past he'll hit 20 25 this year uh you know winnipeg just needs guys like that uh they're not a bad team the jets but you know i i feel like nobody's really taking them seriously as a contender right now you know they kind of see them as like a top heavy team with connor shifley uh wheeler dubois and then with a really good goalie so i think this helps out their depth you know not not a a needle changing move yeah but uh just it's good yeah this is not bad so his uh highest career totals were 2016-17 season in minnesota where he had 25 goals 32 assists 57 games or 57 points and then his second best season was actually this past season in Carolina where he had 24 goals, 20 assists with 44 points. I think this is a really good pickup for Winnipeg. As you mentioned, unfortunately, there's not a lot of players that like playing in Winnipeg. Um, I think Niederreiter's a good uh, middle six, maybe even upper uh, uh, top six forward. I think Niederreiter is a great goal scorer. He's one. He's been one of the best players for Nashville this season. He's been the shark killer. He's scored like a lot of his goals against the Sharks uh, this season. And the fact that Nashville only gets a second round pick was really iffy to me because I, like you said, I think they could have gotten way more. I think um, what they got for Jano, you know, kind of like shadows this a little bit. But like you know, before they traded Jano, before we knew that Jano was getting traded. It's kind of looks like David Poyle making another bad trade because honestly, a couple of his trades in the recent past have not been that great. Yeah. So I think uh, this is good 
like I, I didn't think this was a good uh, step in the right direction. But, I mean, that Tanner Janot trade kind of overshadows everything. So now it looks like, you know, Nashville got two seconds, a first, third, fourth, and fifth, along with Cal Foot for Tanner Janot and Nino Niederreiter. And if you're looking at it from that point of view, it's great. It's great value. But, I mean, this trade alone, I think that's an L for Nashville. Yeah, and I mean, I think Nashville's also trying to do a little bit of a retool. And mm-hmm. I, I think if they were going to trade some of these guys, like look at what uh, the Blues did with Barbashev. You know, a, a solid depth middle six guy. You know, they got back a, a solid prospect to help with the retool. I don't know how much a 2024 20, second is going to help with that. I think if they got like a, a mid-tier prospect that, you know, maybe could be in the NHL by next year, I think that would have been much more effective for a return. I do want to kind of touch on that because, as you mentioned, like these teams are going in a retool. We haven't really seen like teams like this do it so early, like decide, oh, we're going straight to retool or someone's like, all right, we're going full into it. You kind of see like, you know, these teams add like a bottom six forward, but not really do much. But now you see St. Louis, Nashville, Washington, these teams are like, all right, we're near the wild card spot. We have a chance, but we're just going to retool. I think that might be because this draft is so stacked. Connor Bedard, obviously, because... I believe it's the top 10, right, that have a chance at the number one pick, right? The bottom yeah. 10 in the NHL. Yeah, so that might be why we're seeing this, but it's just weird because I've never seen something like this in my recent years watching hockey. And I think it's also interesting because, um, I mean, again, like these are teams that probably would normally not do this, but because Connor Bedard is in the conversation, is doing we're doing this and... All of these top contenders are getting more stacked and stacked and finding out a way to avoid the cap. It's so interesting to watch, honestly. Well, uh, I also think it's because a lot of these teams who are trying to do a retool is because they still have their core there and their core signed long-term. Yeah. You know, the Blues, the Predators, the Capitals, their core is still there and together, mm. and they want to compete with this core, but they yeah. just feel like their their team isn't like good enough right now to do it. Yeah. So you get you get a few picks, you get a few young players that can make an impact like almost immediately, maybe not this year, but next year or the year after. And then, you know, you're right back into that contending conversation. You know, you don't want to go to a full rebuild where you where you blow it up and have to trade that you know your whole core, but cuz you still have that core locked up long term, but uh it's just not good enough to compete right now, but getting some, you know, low risk guys who could be impact or some like prospects who could be impact almost immediately you know it's just that's how you retool and that's how you become a contender uh without just blowing it all up going on to the next trade vitaly kratzov he's heading to vancouver three goals three assists six points in 28 games played new york uh the rangers get william lockwood who has one point which is the one assist in 13 games played with vancouver in a 2026 seventh round pick uh, Kravstov was one of the most highly, highly touted prospects, especially when he was in the KHL. He was lighting it up in the KHL there. Rangers fans were so excited for this guy, former first-round pick. And, uh, you know, just it's just the Rangers just so bad at developing these guys. We've seen, like, one or two of their first-round picks really turn into anything. Most of them have either just been not great or just been traded Krostov's another guy who just didn't work out, and they, they traded him. So I, I think Vancouver is a great spot for him because they're looking to get younger. You know, they're they're fine playing him big minutes, don't really care if he makes mistakes. They just want to let him play, see how much he can produce there. Um, 
the Rangers just shipped him out for basically nothing. Uh, Lockwood's probably going to be in the AHL or just like scratched. Seventh round pick is nothing. So, you know, Krostov needed to change his scenery. He didn't really want to be in New York anymore. I think he put in a trade request last year. Uh, they, they tried to make it work out, still didn't. You know, he was, everyone knew he was going to get traded, and now it just finally happened. Um, probably will be solid for the Canucks, uh, just a, a team that's fine just taking a flyer on a guy like that. Because he has the offensive potential, but he just couldn't make it work in New York. Yeah, I think this is a great deal for Vancouver because if Kratzov does pay off, and I think he's one of the few Rangers prospects that, with a change of scenery, I feel like he could really work out, unlike Leish Anderson. Which is funny because I feel like the Rangers got more for Leish Anderson than Vitaly Kratzov, and I think Kratzov is the better prospect. Um, I like the trade for Vancouver. Kratzov could really flourish there. Uh, there's a Podzokin over there too, so you got some Russian prospects over there that he could uh, chill with, and I think that's great for them. The Rangers aren't getting a lot back, and I don't like this trade for the Rangers at all because, as as we mentioned, like Kratzov is just an failed prospect in their books, like. Lundqvist got traded uh, to Dallas. He's doing pretty decent there. Uh, now Krasov to uh, Vancouver. You had Leish Anderson to L.A. I mean, Lafreniere, Kako aren't, you know, meaning their potential uh, currently for the Rangers. And, I mean, Julian Gochi, I know he wasn't uh, drafted by the Rangers, but he was a highly touted prospect when he got shipped to the Rangers, and he just got shipped, and... Something is there in New York that I would be concerned about if I was a Rangers fan because you see all these prospects kind of failing, and you're like, why is this happening? And like you look at their their overall like core, and it's mainly players they signed out free agency, traded for, or had from their previous core. Yeah, uh, I I think that the Rangers' main problem has been that their their top six has just been so crowded. You know, especially when they sign Panera and it's Zibanejad, Kreider, and now with Tarasenko, it's even worse than if they get Kane. They just there just was never room for guys to to you know play top six minutes. Even when they were like rebuilding, mostly they were still playing guys like Lafreniere, Kako, Cheadle on their third and fourth line, uh, and they never really gave guys a chance in the AHL to you know develop their skills. They kind of rushed them into the NHL, especially with like Leas Anderson. You know, Gautier, they just threw him in there once they got him from Carolina. They didn't really give him a chance to pr- really properly develop. And, you know, some t- sometimes guys need time to adjust to the game, adjust to especially uh, guys who are coming from, you know, other leagues. The NHL is much different than whatever league they're coming from. So I just don't think the Rangers give their prospects a chance to, to really find their game and develop. They just kind of expect them to produce right away and be an impact guy when you know, that's not really how some players develop. They need that time, and they need to be able to uh, adjust to the game and really find themselves and be comfortable with the team. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, this next one is a huge blockbuster. Just kidding, we're going to breeze through it. It's the Keith Kincaid trade. Boston gets Shane Bowers, 4 goals, 10 assists, 14 points in the AHL, 37 games played. Meanwhile, Colorado gained Keith Kincaid, a GAA of 3.10, a save percentage of .909 in 20 games played in the AHL as well. Uh, I, I think this trade is more of uh, the Bruins wanting to get their prospect uh, time in Providence. They have this ins- one of their goalies, I forgot his name, but he's doing ridiculous right now in Providence. He's like an insane save percentage down there, and they just want him to play there. Uh, and Colorado, they get another goalie. This, he's going to play with in the AHL with the Eagles. 
Uh, Kincaid actually he actually played a game for Boston this year. He did. He played one game and uh, another former Rangers goalie that they get. So him and Georgiev there in Colorado. <laughs> um, obviously blockbuster trade. Bowers fit in nice with the Providence Bruins. There they have always have a solid AHL team, and uh, yeah, nothing much to say. Yeah, not a lot to say here. Just death moves. Obviously, I don't really have a lot to comment on this. Uh, next trade, three-way trade, Dmitry Orlov trade. Boston gets Dmitry Orlov with his uh, contract being 50% retained by Washington. Three goals, 16 assists, 19 points in 43 games played uh, with Boston. Or sorry, with Washington, and then they also get Garnet Hathaway. Nine goals, seven points, 16 assists with Washington and 59 games played. Washington gets Craig Smith. Uh, four goals, six assists, 10 points in uh, 42 games played this season. Uh, then also tw- a 2023 first-round pick, a 2025 second-round pick, a 2024 third-round pick, and Minnesota j- decides to jump in here. He They uh, retain 25% more of Orlov's contract, and they get a 2023 fifth-round pick to get compensated so what do you think of this trade i think it's great for both sides you know this is helps with washington's retool uh they get a first round pick which uh i know i know that they maybe wouldn't have done this if they were in a better position you know if they were in that wild card spot but you know orlov they couldn't really agree to an extension with him he wanted long term washington wasn't comfortable giving that they get a first-round pick. Uh, we haven't seen Washington, like, a ton of their first-round picks recently turn into anything, so we'll see how this one goes. But Boston, they get a guy that they needed on defense. You know, their defense is obviously very good, but, you know, adding a guy like Dimitri Irulov, who won a cup recently a few years ago, uh, he was great in, when they went on that run in 2017 and 18, uh, and it's just half the fit in nicely with that bottom six there. So I like the trade for both sides. Um, I don't have too much to say about it because, uh, you know, it's not really lose-lose or win-win trade. It's just we'll, we'll see how the first the draft picks turn into. Uh, the Both guys for Boston will be helpful in the playoffs, and it's just good trade. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I think it's a good trade for all three teams in here. Um, I think Orlov and Halfway are the ideal Bruins, especially at Halfway. I've heard a lot of NHL execs have same, said the same thing, too. He's a pest. He will, he's going to fit right into Boston. I mean, I think he's played already pretty decently for for uh, Boston in his one game played. Orlov is, just adds to that defense. I mean, that defense is now pretty good. Uh, I mean, they have McAvoy, Lindholm, uh, now Orlov joining them. Uh, that's just a stack D. For Washington, uh, I mean, you're getting picks, which is what they need. They need to rebuild their prospect pool especially if they're going to go out and make a big splash for a younger player that can help them win now. Uh, I think it's good that Boston trade Craig Smith. He's been needing out of there, needed a change of scenery ASAP. So he gets that wish granted, and we see Minnesota sneaking in there, getting in their pick uh, for retaining salary. So, I mean, that's pretty sneaky uh, moves by Bill Guerin. Seems like Minnesota is the only team that's doing that right now. Uh, yeah, I think we'll see more and more teams doing that especially the the bad teams arizona anaheim columbus i i think we'll start seeing them jump in as as like third party teams Mm -hmm. uh you know as as more of these big contracts get moved out i feel like we haven't seen a ton of like the the cap dump ones where like 
guys who with bigger expiring contracts, maybe like a JVR or a Henrique, you know, those trades haven't happened yet. But once those guys start getting moved, I think we'll see a lot of these, you know, teams that are, are trying to get a top 10 pick be f- totally fine, be taking a pick in to retain salary. Next up, we have the Nikita Zaitsev trade. Chicago is going to get Nikita Zaitsev five assists, no goals, and uh, five points basically for 28 games played. Uh, 2023 second round pick and 2026 fourth round pick. Meanwhile, Ottawa gets the ideal player, the OG player. Future considerations. Your first thoughts on well, this uh, trade. Obviously, Ottawa wins the trade with the great player that they get in future considerations. Elite player, obviously. We see him move around a lot. You know, it sucks he can't find a home future yeah, considerations. Yeah, 100%. But um, it, uh, obviously, Chicago great great for them getting just two draft picks Zaitsev you know he's not a great player anymore but he's he's still serviceable for them on a team who doesn't really have much to play for mm-hmm. but uh Chicago guess what they need draft picks Ottawa moves out the contract something they've been wanting to do for a while not too much to say just kind of an obvious one we knew what it was going to happen and just good good for Chicago you know Ottawa gets cap space and that's really it. Yeah, great trade for Chicago. They now own uh, another draft pick in their arsenal of draft picks. This is exactly how you rebuild. You uh, take on bad contracts. You get good draft picks. You get you try to get as many youthful players as you can. And that's just Chicago doing that here. Um, yeah, I really nothing really to say except I think Chicago wins this by land landmine. Oh, I mean Ottawa just gets future considerations. And they don't even have to take anything back. I mean, that's that's great for Chicago. And then going kind of off that, we have the Shea Weber trade. So we're getting another Arizona Coyotes legend, adding another player to the uh, Hall of Fame for the Coyotes. Shea Weber going to Arizona, at least his contract, along with a 2023 fifth-round pick. And then to Vegas, Dyson Mayo, who has two goals, five assists, seven points, and 26 games played with the Tucson Roadrunners. Your immediate thoughts. Um, I, I liked Mayo last year. Um, I have played with Mozier a lot. I really liked that pair. I thought they were going to be something this year. It didn't really work out. Mayo hasn't been great with the Coyotes. They sent him down to Tucson. And, uh, you know, the Coyotes, they get a fifth-round pick. Nothing much, just a draft pick. Mayo, I don't know how much he'll play in Vegas. Um, maybe he'll he'll uh, get a chance with Henderson there. He'll just he'll just be depth for Vegas. Another trade that you know isn't isn't anything huge. The Yost get a draft pick. Vegas, you know they get they get a low risk guy who could probably you know play if if they they have to deal with some injuries there. And uh, of course we add Weber to the the all time lineup over there uh, with the Coyotes <laughs> legends. All they're missing is a goalie now. Yeah, they have Pavel Datsuk. They have Marion Hosa. Yeah. They have David Bolin. They have Chris Pronger. And now Weber. And now Shea Weber. That's a pretty elite starting lineup right now. Right oh, there. 100%. And if you throw in that Wayne Gretzky was a coach, that uh, I think it was Hole who played nine games there. Like, man, Coyotes have some legends right there. No, just missing the goalie. We'll see We'll see what happens with Carey Price. Maybe, maybe Jonathan he, Quick. Maybe one of them finds a home with Arizona in the next few years. Yeah, not much to talk about there. We have another blockbuster. Jack Johnson back to Colorado. Uh, four assists, and those are his only four points this season in 50 games played. Chicago gets uh, Andreas England. <laughs> Just has terrible stats. Uh, three assists and 
for his only three points in 36 games played. Your thoughts? Yeah, Jack Johnson is not good anymore. I mean, a lot of that had to do with him being on the worst team in the league, but with one of the worst defensive cores in the league. But he just doesn't have it anymore. And I, I think this move for Colorado was more of just getting a familiar face back. You know, a guy that won the cup with them. And I doubt he plays a lot. Maybe he gets in a few regular season games. But he'll be their seventh defenseman in the playoffs. I think he'll be a great guy for them back in the locker room. I think they just wanted that familiar face there. You know, a guy that I'm guessing a lot of their, their younger defensemen trust. Especially like Bowen Byram, who, who's, who's very good. But, you know, he's still young. I think Johnson could help him out a lot. Uh, Makar's obviously we know Makar, but you know I I think having a veteran there is not you have nothing to lose for that, you know he'll probably suit up for a few games for them. I doubt he gets a ton of playoff action, but uh we'll, we'll see. Just familiar face to get back. Chicago, um an, another guy who's mostly an AHL player, but you know with Chicago with how uh, how their depth is looking right now, could probably get into a few NHL games. So yeah, I mean. I feel like this is more of a locker room addition for yeah. Colorado. They seem to really love Johnson, and Johnson loves playing for them, loved the team. I mean, we saw the first game of the season this year where he skated over with the boys, and they were like, get over here, watch the banner raise and stuff. So I think that's uh, that's more of a locker room addition, if anything. Uh, England is really nothing. It's honestly just a healthy scratch trade. I don't think Johnson gets into that many games. We got another blockbuster, man. We just have so many blockbusters. Isaac Ratcliffe to Nashville. He has two goals, two assists, four points in 26 games played in the AHL. And then Philadelphia gets the legendary player. Future considerations. Back on the move. Back on the move, indeed. Your thoughts? Uh, this one, again, I don't have much to say about Isaac Ratcliffe. I don't know a ton about him, um, but, you know... Probably a guy who just needed a change of scenery. I don't think he played at all in the NHL this year. Did he only have AHL games to play? He only had AHL games. So, yeah, probably a guy who, you know, wasn't doing great in Lehigh Valley. Just, you know, a change of scenery. And, you know, Nashville's fine taking these guys in. They're, maybe they will make it to the NHL, but, I mean, you never know. And, you know, it sucks to have to give up future considerations because you know what you have there. But, uh, yeah, there's this nothing huge, but more of it thing to help out milwaukee the admirals yeah that's uh, gonna suck for future considerations going on the movie and i mean man his family must be mrs considerations must be going insane right now but in all seriousness i mean i don't really have a lot to say except when you get a player for future considerations i mean that's not bad you're giving <laughs> yeah. up pretty much nothing um just like the patch trade um and then Final trade, we're going to get off the trade subject, the Jake McCabe trade. This happened today. Chicago, Jesus Christ. Chicago gets Joey Anderson, two goals, one assist, three points in 14 games played. Pavel Gogolev, uh, or Gugolev, uh, 21 goals, 27 assists, 48 points, 33 games played in the ECHL. A 2025 first-round pick with conditions on it, and a 2026 second-round pick uh, for Chicago. Going back to Toronto, 50% retained of the legendary Jake McCabe. Two goals, 18 assists, 20 points, 55 games played this season with Chicago. Sam Lafferty, 10 goals, 11 assists, 21 points, 51 games played this season. Uh, a conditional 2024 fifth-round pick and a conditional 2025 fifth-round pick. What are your immediate thoughts? This is the exact trade that Toronto needed to do. 
for for so long everybody's been like the main thing with Toronto is no depth you know they're they got they're not tough at all they get a tough defenseman guy that's hard to play against they get a great depth guy great penalty killer could score shorties for him with Lafferty and um we'll see now with Ryan O'Reilly and Achari that team is looking scary and I, I think that they could finally get out of the first round this is the trade that Toronto needed to do I think this puts them 100% over the top and honestly uh, it sucks to say this but I do think that they're cuff contenders right now I, I'd see them going on a run this year yeah I mean Toronto made the Ryan O'Reilly trade Tampa's like ah oh, crap we're gonna one up you with the Tanner Jano trade and now Toronto's like aha hold your horses I got one more up our sleeve Jake McCabe is perfect for them, especially Jake Musnow. That's a perfect fit for them. More, uh, obviously, defensive depth. But what I really like is the Sam Lafferty pickup. That is a sneaky good pickup. I think Lafferty uh, was leading the league for a little bit in shorthanded goals. He's a great player, great depth forward. I mean, you picked up Noel Charlie from St. Louis. Now you have Sam Lafferty, your depth forward depth which was kind of iffy at some points uh, throughout the last couple of years. Oh, my God, it's looking great. And I agree with you. I think Toronto is now looking – I think this is the best team that Toronto has ever rolled out. And, again, I don't think I would agreed with myself at the beginning of the season with Samsonov and Murray in that. But, I mean, they just fixed their one problem that they've had year after year, which is defensive depth and – offensive depth and now they have a gritty bottom six you still have that elite top six you have a good top four and you have two good goaltenders that have played great for you and the fact that they didn't give up Matthew Nyes or any of their huge prospects that's impressive like again just like New Jersey like they didn't give up any of their top prospects for Meyer that's wow but Toronto made two trades, the O'Reilly trade and now the McCabe trade. Neither of them have included Toronto's like big prospects like Matthew Nyes, and I believe there's another one in there. Um, it's it's impressive. Um, wow, I, I think this is a major slam dunk for Toronto. Yeah, and I, I could say the same thing for Chicago also because these are two guys that, you know, Chicago got for – nothing Lafferty mm-hmm. was like a late pickup in free agency I, oh no they traded him for Nylander yes I think. yeah so they Alex Nylander you know hasn't really been anything so they got Lafferty for cheap McCabe is a guy they signed in free agency so you know it's just two two guys that they you know these guys you know you wouldn't really think of them as being huge things and they turned them into a, a first round pick and a really solid return so I this I think Chicago got what they needed the Leafs got what they needed another, another win-win trade yeah, um, that was actually the final trade. We made it through, Tyler, at least the trade part of this show. I can't believe we did it. Man, trade deadline day is going to be boring. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, who do we have left? JVR. Patrick Kane. Well, yeah, Kane, but we'll, we'll see when that gets done. Uh, don't forget the the sweepstakes for Nick Benino. Yeah, but, and we got to get ready for the Yotes fire sale. We'll see. And you who, got Gavrikov as well. Yeah, we'll see who the Yotes actually trade away. Um, still interested to see what they do with Chikrin. I, I think Bukestad is gone. Uh, we'll see what happens with Gostas Fair. 
Uh, even Nick Schmaltz's name has been brought up. I don't think they'd deal him, but his name has been brought up. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see what the Coyotes do there. I think a lot of these teams that, like the, the Sharks, the Coyotes, the Ducks, you know, they're going to use more of deadline day or the days leading up to uh, retain co- salary and just take in draft picks. You know, I think they're all fine keeping the teams they have now, maybe selling off a few guys, but, you know, they're mostly fine just taking a fourth-round pick, retaining 25% as that middle middleman. And uh, I think that's going to be all we see from a lot of these teams. Yeah. Um, we're going to go through some waivers real quick because there were some key players on the waivers. Chris Tierney uh, put, on Flo- uh, put on Florida's waivers, goes to Montreal, two goals, one assist, three points in his 13 games played to Florida. Already has a goal in Montreal. Your thoughts on Chris Tierney real quick. He's good. Uh, uh, former uh, Shark. Ford, what? Former yeah, Shark. I, I think he's... 20 scored 20 goals with the senators maybe i'm wrong but i remember him having a few great years in ottawa mm-hmm. um uh it's it's just a low risk thing for montreal they need guys they've had dealt with so many injuries this year he's not making a lot of money and uh you know he's he's a veteran you know he's a guy that'll will be good for him uh the young guys there and it's just a solid pickup for the Canadians. Yeah, he's always been a good bomb six forward. Yeah. The Cobra. I mean, I wish he kind of went back to San Jose, honestly, unbiasedly, but I did love him out there. Uh Kasperi Kapanen, uh from Pittsburgh to St. Louis, seven goals, thirteen assists, twenty points in forty three games played. I'm surprised he got picked up because he still has another year after this. But I, I think the blues who are are like retooling are fine with this just because even though his, he's has another year left and it's a little high, Kapitan used to be great. He was good with Toronto. He was great when he first got to Pittsburgh, but he's been awful recently. But I think that's because Pittsburgh's a more older veteran, you know, slower team. You know, Kapitan's a great guy, you know, going up and down. He's super fast. And I think that's more of the team that the Blues have with guys like Kairu and Robert Thomas and Buchnevich. I just think he's going to fit well in St. Louis. And, you know, he's, he's a guy that, that used to be, very good when he was uh with toronto and you know you still have that potential there he just didn't really fit in pittsburgh and um hopefully he could revive his career in st louis which is what they're hoping and you know be a piece uh for them going forward yeah he's a very streaky player i can say that acquiring him in the first place was confusing on pittsburgh's part i don't think hexall's that been that great honestly uh but uh i mean yeah, it's surprising that he got picked up. I honestly thought he was going to the AHL, but I mean that's great for Pittsburgh getting some money off their books, and low risk high reward for St. Louis because he only has one other year on this contract. St. Louis is obviously not contending the season. I could pull off in spades because maybe he plays well the rest of the season, and St. Louis has managed to get some assets from him, uh, either next trade deadline during the off season or whatever. But could be a good pickup for St. Louis. Not gonna lie. Uh, Chris Drieger is back. He goes from Seattle to Coachella Valley in the AHL. Your thoughts on him getting sent down, returning? Uh, it's mostly about rehab right now. Coming back from uh, Terry's ACL, I think. Mm, yeah. During uh, overseas last year in the the tournament. Yeah. And uh, it's just right now. It's just mostly about rehab. I'm curious to see what they do if they carry around three goalies. I don't see them doing that because Drieger's a guy who. You know, he's, he can play in the NHL. You know, he's proven that. He was great with Florida. Struggled last year like uh, Grubauer did also. But, you know, Jones and Grubauer haven't been bad. But, you know, they're guys, they're sitting around like a 900 safe percentage. Mm-hmm. 
but they've been winning games. Yep. Like they haven't been been bad, but you're getting wins from them, which is what you need. So I'm I'm curious to see what they do because you never know how a guy's going to be coming off ACL surgery. That's tough for a goalie to have. And uh, you know Jones is only signed for for this year. He only got a one year deal. So you know if Jones walks, you you want to have Drieger for next year. That's why they took him in the expansion draft. They thought their future would be Grubauer and Drieger for the next four or five years. So um, maybe maybe they trade him. I don't think they do. I think they let him play in Coachella. Uh, you know, get his form back after a, a tough injury, and uh, now there's some goalie competition with Joey Decord for the uh, starting spot in Coachella. Yeah, you got good uh, four goaltenders in your system right now. I mean, I, ideally, you're going to keep Decord probably in your AHL unless he breaks out. But he's been really good this season, not going to lie. But you also have Jones and Grubauer in your starter position. So I wonder if uh, Seattle trades him during the offseason. Maybe he goes on a run with Coachella. I mean, Coachella's going to make the AHL pro- uh, playoffs. So we'll see what happens. I mean... Could be a really good year for Drieger and then could get traded on. But I think one of these goaltenders is leaving the organization by the draft next, uh, well, this upcoming offseason, or at least by tra- by a free agency. Because, I mean, Jones obviously doesn't have uh, any more years left on his deal. And then, obviously, Drieger, Grubauer, although they are signed long-term, they haven't been great. So we'll see what happens. I think Drieger is still good enough to play in the NHL. I've always yeah. liked Chris Drieger. Um, so we'll see if he uh, can really pull it around. But this next one, David Poyle stepping down as Nashville GM. He was the longest tenured GM in the league. Uh, him and Doug Wilson were fighting it out there. And then Doug Wilson obviously stepped down like last season. Um, and then now Barry Trotz is now the new GM of the Nashville Predators. And I think we all kind of expected him to return to Nashville to become the GM. Yeah, well, he lives in Nashville uh, now. Well, he, he always lived there in the offseason. That's where his home is. But he was done coaching. As an Islanders fan, you could tell last year that he was, you know, that he was done coaching. And, you know, the, the firing, I don't think it was really a firing, more of a mutual agreement because Trotz had one year left on his deal this season uh, before he got fired. And I think, you know, he just knew he was done. He wanted, uh, you know, he wanted to get Lambert in there mm-hmm. uh, to, to get a year in. You know, they didn't want to have like a whole like sudden quick change and everything they wanted Lambert to get a year under his belt as head coach because Trotz knew he was going to be done you know and and as for for Barry it's not fair uh to your players if you're a coach and you don't really want to do it anymore yep. so uh to me I knew he was going to be done coaching I I feel like a lot of people expected him to come back into coaching um so I I saw a lot of people who were kind of surprised at him going straight into management but to me i just kind of expected it i think you did also well i think i kind of expected more of he would go back he would go to wherever he would go for a year as a coach kind of get to know the organization uh in this case relearn the organization relearn these players and then go into gm after they've uh after david poyle steps down i think i 100 percent expected him to go to nashville though because obviously poyle's kind of old his time is wearing out. Like as we mentioned, his trades recently, besides maybe the besides the Geno trade for sure, haven't been the best. I again, like I think Barry Trotz is one of the best coaches of recent times. Um, he won a cup with Washington. 
which was that's that wasn't like a high powered Colorado or Tampa team. That was a team that obviously struggled for a long time, and then he went in, helped them out. Uh, first coach, I believe, in Nashville Predators history. Yeah, he was. Um, so he knows the organization. So I think that's a, another reason why he didn't go one year coaching, then straight to GM. I kind of expected that just because, uh, or at least you know, be assistant GM, GM or something. Kind of learn the ropes. I didn't really expect him. To kind of go straight into it because he'll start this summer, uh, but yeah, it's uh, we'll see what happens. I mean, I don't really have a lot of thoughts on it right now. Besides that, obviously, um, this will be his first GM job. David Poyle's gonna stay on as like special advisor or something, but I mean, that's great for Nashville to see this history come back, yeah. um, especially as they start to build a new core, maybe. Um, still with Yoshi and uh probably Duchesne as your top two uh, players on your team. Forsberg. Yeah, and Forsberg. But, you know, rebuilding everything else. So that's going to be interesting what Trotz is going to have to do once uh, and what he has to deal with once Poyle leaves because Poyle did sign a lot of long-term contracts and he, obviously now he's starting to tear it down. So we'll see where Nashville is by the end of the uh, season. Before I get to uh, what I want to talk about for the final topic of today, we got to talk about Linus Olmark or Linus Olmark's goal. Talk to me about it, Tyler. Uh, well, just goalie goals are, are very cool to see. You know, love for, mm. love to see him. First goal since Pekarine in 2020 by goalie. And the first goal goalie goal in Bruins history, which I was actually surprised about. Um, but, I, I mean, it's just always cool to see a goalie goal. Funny that it happened uh, in Vancouver. I just feel like it's kind of like a perfect way just like, because just seeing how Vancouver's whole season is gone, just oh, them yeah. giving up a goalie goal, I feel like it's just like the perfect scenario. So I thought was funny, how does but... Vancouver always end up? How do we always end up talking about Vancouver, man? Cause just because they're just a mess right now. There's just always something happening with them. Gosh dang it! Like come on now, we. If there is a podcast episode where we don't talk about Vancouver, I feel like we need to pop a champagne at the end of the episode <laughs> because. Holy Christ almighty, poor Vancouver fans. Like, I feel bad for them. Like, one playoff appearance since 2015. Like, man, poor Vancouver. And that's great for Liam Solmark. Like, he's a great goal center, having a great season. This puts the cherry on top for that. As you mentioned, Boston's first goalie goal. I wasn't surprised by that. I, can't, I knew that. Um, it's interesting because the Coyotes and the Sharks had a goalie goal before <laughs> Boston, so... That's also interesting. Yeah, I just thought they've been around for so long that they they would have had to have had one when yeah. you know the when you know there there was like barely any protection in the league for the goalies. You know, they didn't have to wear a mask. You know, they could just shoot it down the ice, not yeah. have to worry about anything. You know, I just I thought they would have had one eventually a long time ago, but I guess not. Yeah, shout out Mike Smith and getting the back of uh, yeah. Arizona and Sharks and the San Jose Sharks respectively. Speaking of the Sharks. Our final topic of the podcast, and then we'll say goodbye. The Patrick Marlowe retirement night. Uh, Patty obviously getting his number retired. Um, you want to start off of it? Um, yeah, just congratulations to Marlowe. I, I think it's well-deserved, you know, longest tenured shark. Um, he's just he's just a legend in San Jose. You know, he's, he's really similar to Dustin Brown. He was never, like, the star player. But, you know, really helped grow the game and was just huge in his community there in San Jose. Uh, I just think that it's very well-deserved and just kind of, you know, I feel like it's kind of just closing off that, that era 
you know, there's still some guys there. Uh, but, you know, Burns is... Oh. We have a trade to announce. Oh, God. A blockbuster trade. The Buffalo Sabres have acquired defenseman Riley Steelman. The Vancouver Canucks, of course. Uh, in exchange for Josh Bloom. Uh, yeah, a blockbuster right Blockbuster. There. I mean, we don't really... I don't really know these players. Um, Stillman is... He was... He was decent. Yeah. He's decent. I think Canucks are just trying to get rid of defensemen. But, not, you know, not a big trade, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, going back to what you were saying about Patrick Marlowe... Um, I got, I was fortunate enough to go. I went to the game, went to the alumni game before I, and just everyone was having fun. It was great. You know, in a season where Sharks fans have not been having fun, obviously now with this team of Meyer, you know, trades sandwiched between crap and more crap. It's nice to have a good day where you can feel good to be a Sharks fan. You know, uh, I'm obviously wanting my team to get Connor Bedard. So this was the one game I was like, okay, you guys can win it. I mean, they they played to a great strategy about losing in the shootout. So, uh, but it was great. Patrick Marlowe obviously grew the game a lot in the Bay Area where I come from. It's just great to see his number retired. Do I think he should have been the first? I don't think so because I think Nabokov and Owen Nolan should have had their number retired. But do I think it's deserved? Absolutely. I think more than anything, growing the game in California. Kind of like, um, there's some other ones. Shane Doan in Arizona, like, he got his number retired because, you know, it's such a big impact for that organization. Patrick Marlowe is kind of the same way. He's the NHL all-time goal leader, or sorry, uh, games played leader. Um, over 1,700 games, um, which is more than Gordie Howe. Like, that's impressive to make your body last that long. It was great seeing all the Sharks alumni out there, seeing Timo Meyer even out there, even though he wasn't playing that day. Um, it's just great because, you know, it's the one sort of happy note for the Sharks this season, and now it kind of turns the chapter up from the Doug Wilson to chapter to the Mike Greer chapter. And overall, the ceremony was awesome. He Obviously, he was sad. Joe Thornton was crying, and honestly, that almost got me crying because, like, Patty and Joe, like, crying that was so sad and obviously Pavs, Burnsy, um, Shane Doan called in had little messages for them so that was awesome to see obviously I wasted a bunch of money on a bunch of Marlowe merch but well well I mean it's just awesome because as a Sharks fan we never see, we've never seen this before so being able to attend that was awesome and it's definitely one of the coolest moments I've ever had as a Sharks fan and a hockey fan because I've never seen a number retired before. Yeah, I, it's definitely a cool moment. Um, I, I think Marlowe's very well-deserving of being the first number ever retired in Sharks history. Uh, I think Thornton goes up there one day and Nabokov. He goes I think Thornton goes up like in like two seasons or so. And I think more when, when more of these Sharks legends, like when Burnsy retires... When that goes on, I think I think they'll do a ring of honor thing that like the Coyotes have and some yeah. of the other teams have, where the number isn't retired but their names are still up in the rafters. Like, I think on the I think eighty eight eighty eight gets retired. I honestly don't think so. Like he won a Norris there, but he wasn't there for he was there for ten eleven years, but he was good offensively. But he, you know, and he was a fan favorite, but never a great defensive player. They obviously didn't win a cup. I think the main reason why Patty got his number retired is because of the impact he made on San Jose for 
way longer than Burnsy, and that's no disrespect to Burnsy. I think he goes has a ring of honor or something. I just I think he's on. If he won a cup, I think Burnsy would have had his number retired. But because he didn't win a cup, that is like the slipping point right there. And I think it's the same with uh, there's an error player in there like. Depending on what happens in Hurdle's career, I don't see his number being retired. Yeah, I, I don't think Hurdle or Couture end up up there. The I could I could see Nabokov and maybe Owen Nolan eventually. I think they deserve it more than Marlow. I think Nabokov especially deserves it more than Marlow. Uh, I think it it kind of depends on you know your ownership because we've seen oh, teams just jersey retirement happy. You know they. They're fine just throwing numbers up there of... Um, Columbus. <laughs> uh, I think Nash meant a lot to, to them. But, he wasn't there for as long as, yeah, like, you know... But, you know, there there's some teams, not even just this sport, like, even, like, the Yankees. And they, yeah. they have a lot of history, but they're fine just throwing numbers up there. Yeah. Um, Even, like, the Bruins. Now the Bruins have a lot of... Uh, they've had a wrong, yeah, really different players. they're in original six, yeah. But you know, it it depends. There's a lot of teams who are who are super stingy about it. You know, I like that though because I don't like every freaking number getting retired. I like that Sharks waited like thirty plus years to retire a number. They retired a number be, uh, after Arizona, Columbus, Minnesota, Nashville, and Nashville, and all four of those franchises have never won a Stanley Cup. They've only been the only team in those four that's been to a Stanley Cup final is Nashville. So, it's interesting. Uh, so, I'm glad the Sharks uh, late, uh, waited, even though I yeah. think Nabokov's numbers should have been retired. I think now that they retired Marlowe, I think they maybe wanted to get Marlowe's first, and now they're going to start retiring. They're obviously going to retire Thornton's. There's no question about that. That's happening in the next two years. So, I could see them retiring Nabokov. I don't know about Nolan, but I think he deserves it. Couture, I think, deserves it more than Burnsy because Couture has been there his whole entire career. Obviously, he was an elite playoff performer. That's the difference between him and Burnsy. I feel like Couture was more yeah. of elite in the postseason rather than Burnsy, and Couture was also pretty decent in some of the uh, regular seasons. So I think he deserves it more than Hurdle and Burnsy right now, but I don't think he gets it right now. But he's going to stay in San Jose, if I'm going to be honest. And... Uh, the other player I could see uh, getting it uh, for why did I look Pavelski, yeah, oh, Joe yeah, Pavelski. Pavelski. I think because he was such a great captain, such a great goal scorer. He was drafted in the seventh round, I think, and he did a lot for the Bay Area hockey. I think he gets his number retired eventually, even though you know he's spending his latter seasons with Dallas. I just think he was that big of an impact to San Jose. Um, I can see him getting his number retired next. Yeah, I, I think jersey retirements have more become of like a respect thing, you know, to show a player how much they meant to an organization. Because I, I think we've we've seen a lot of players who, you know, weren't like the stars, you know, like Migo Koivu. I think he got his number retired by Minnesota. He did. Um, we saw it in Ottawa, blanking on his name, but it was a guy who was like a third or Chris fourth. Chris Phillips. He was a guy, third or fourth liner, you know. He wasn't the best player at all but he just meant, meant a lot to so much to ottawa that uh, I, I think that we're gonna see a lot of numbered retirements you know kind of shy away from you know the star player to guys who just meant so much to you know their organization you know just dedicated you know their whole lives you know themselves you know to the team yeah so, again uh shane doan rick nash yeah. and columbus and even even pecorine you know guys mm -hmm. 
I mean, he was very good, but you know, he just he never won a cup, but he just messed so much Took to Nashville. Took him to the final though. That's true. So that's why I I think that um Thornton gets hundred percent gets his, and I could mm-hmm. see Burns getting his just because I think he just meant so much to the Sharks, and it was, you know, they did trade him, but uh I just think that that was probably tough trading him, and uh. I, I think that he, I could see him returning eventually to San Jose. No, I think towards the end of his career. maybe he's signing a one day contract. I don't. I just don't see him coming back there for like you know a whole season or something. But yeah, I think it was easier to trade Burnsy because Mike Greer took over and that was his first major trade. He got to avoid the total crap show it is right now. Um, <laughs> but um, I I still think the Sharks should do some Ring of Honor for Brent Burns. If they don't retire, of getting the Bach up and old Nolan's number, them too, along with Mike Ricci. You had a you have a lot of players that played really good for the Sharks. I mean, Danny freaking Heatley. Jonathan Chichu. Jonathan Chichu, Devin Setaguchi. You got these legendary players that you know you hear a lot about. Big Sharks like guys. Mike Ricci, I, I think I mentioned him maybe. But uh you know, you got a lot of these players, you know, big impacts to the Sharks organization. Really it hasn't been noticed by the sharks besides alumni games like they don't really do a lot for their alumni besides the alumni games you don't see like paintings in the in the uh main concourse there's a little bit down in the uh in the underbelly in the club level and stuff but i think a ring of honor thing or some some stuff on the walls would be cool for them and i think now that the sharks have flipped from the doug wilson era to the uh Mike Greer era, it's a whole new era. I think the Sharks are going to start recognizing things from that past era and yeah. past him. And I still don't agree with Doug Wilson getting a banner in the arena. I think that's dumb. I don't think he deserves it one bit. I think maybe a ring of honor, but not his name being up in the rafters alone. Yeah. I think that's stupid. But I, I, I hope they start doing that because there's a lot of great alumni for the Sharks. Yeah. But um, uh, I mean, yeah. eventually, uh, we'll see. We'll see how many years the NHL actually lasts. But eventually, they're gonna run out of numbers. Yeah, they might have to start going to three digits. I mean, ninety nine is already retired everywhere, and sixty six should be retired everywhere. It basically yeah. is. But I mean, in in a hundred years or so, think about how many how many numbers the Bruins are gonna have retired. And Montreal. Yeah, they're, they're Toronto. Eventually. All these. Well, uh, sorry, uh, original 16. They're eventually going to run out of numbers. I mean, yeah. I, I think that would be interesting to eventually see yeah, uh, because professional it, sports go to, th- to three-digit numbers on the back. Especially with Boston, because you're probably going to retire Bergeron, Marchant. Uh, you think Raskitz Char- is Chara. You think Raskitz is number yeah. retired. Maybe Krejci, I'd see that less no. likely. Um, and maybe McAvoy when he finishes out his career, but he's still young. Pasternak if he finished his career with Boston. I mean, you got basically six, seven players there that possibly could get their number talking retired. about like way, way, way down the road because oh, I mean, absolutely. you always have great players coming in. And I mean, like, uh, I mean, who knows how long the NHL lasts. We're probably not going to be around to, to see everything that happens in 100, 200 years. But I'm just saying, eventually they're going to have to start going to three-digit numbers. Who knows, Tyler? Maybe we'll live forever. <laughs> <laughs> but, um... You have anything else to comment on? Any other hockey things before we get to our Twitter and the ending of the show? No. Okay. Uh, yeah, just big day coming up on Friday. Yeah. We'll see how many trades actually happen on Friday. I saw a great analogy where it's just kind of like, 
you know, you're you're always told not to like wait until the last minute to do like your your project. So I think that's why all these these GMs are, you know, this is like their big project, you know, their their trades. Yeah. They're, they want to get it. They don't want to wait till the last minute and have to rush it on Friday. So that's why, you know, we're seeing all these trades happen now. Probably get a few little ones on Friday, but I, I'm guessing all the big ones like Kane and just like even like the not as big ones, but still solid names like JBR happened before Friday. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, we'll be doing a Zoom uh, show most likely because you'll be back in New York. Yeah, I'll still be here getting ready to go to Mexico for spring break, but I'll be in my new apartment, so it's gonna be awesome. Um, maybe Tyler will get to see some of the amazing jerseys <laughs> I have. But um, no, that's pretty much it for for uh, this week's show. Um, if you want to follow me on Twitter, Chase Beardsley underscore like always. Uh, for you, Tyler. Tyler Cass underscore like yeah. always. Like always, absolutely. <laughs> I haven't so changed it. <laughs> change it one week and you're like ah shoot uh but um make sure to follow us up there make sure to give us a rating um yeah that's pretty much it i mean big weekend coming up and we'll be back to talk about it like always so for chase beardsley tyler cast this has been episode four of desert shift thank you so much for listening Cause you're